Hello and welcome to this rapid fire of the Raw Rugby podcast. We're going to get through all the team news for week two ahead of Super Round down in Melbourne, if you can believe it. But there are some super exciting matchups to unfold and we're going to get a real litmus test of Australian rugby to see where they're at, see where the Reds are following their strong start against the Waratahs. Of course, the Brumbies, yet another Sunday matchup against the Chiefs. It comes off the back of their victory over the Blues last year. And also the Waratahs against the Crusaders, Rob Penny up against his former side. Talking me through all the changes and a bit of analysis as well is the Raw's Nick Wasiliev. Nick, good to have you join, stepping, stepping into the shoes of Mr. Tony Harper, our boss. Yeah, coming off the bench, making, making my debut. Uh, very nice to be here and very happy to talk Super Round with you. Uh, and this it's going to be a very interesting bunch of games coming up. It certainly is. So if you don't already know Nick's handiwork, been covering the game for a few years, but also uh, you can also hear him on the Dropped Kickoff podcast with Nathan Williamson from rugby.com. But let's get into it without further ado. There's, there's six matches, of course, or 12 sides descending on Melbourne, and it gets underway at 6pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time in Melbourne with uh, a New Zealand derby, and it should be quite fun, this one. The Highlanders up against the Blues. Talk us through some of the changes, Nick. Well, the big ones, uh, I think, that is kind of no secret is uh, the return of a certain Ethan de Groot um, and Jermaine Ainsley, a lot of beef uh, that is coming back into that, uh, into that squad, particularly in the front row, which is where I think the clash will be um, especially interesting. Um, I was really impressed with the, with Reese Pratchell's uh, adaptation to, uh, to super rugby on uh, East first in the Highlanders win over Moana Pacifica last week. Um, so I'm very excited um, about how he goes uh, against his Blues counterpart, Stephen... Stephen Perifetta. Yes, thank you very much. But I will say uh, this game is definitely looming as, a, as an interesting one because I, I did a little digging similar to, to, Mr., to Mr. Harper uh, ahead of this one. And the Highlanders have not beaten a Kiwi side since round eight... Uh, of Super Rugby Aotearoa in 2021. And the last time they beat us that side, it was the Blues. And I am slightly worried that that is going to continue this weekend because aside from those key positions at, um, at fly half and in the front row, I think this Blues squad has got their measure. Do you agree? Yeah, I think the Blues are going to be very difficult to beat, even though they've they've rested Rico Iwani, Finlay Christie. Yes. Of course, Iwani's got a little hamstring complaint, but uh, Vern Cotter not taking any chances with him. He'll use one of those weeks that New Zealand rugby insists that players of national interest stand down. So that's a, that's a controversial moment in itself. Whether or not it will have a huge amount of influence on the game, I don't necessarily think so. The Blues have got firepower out wide with Mark Talia, uh, of course, and you've got Caleb Clark. Uh, but even up front, off a tour and a fussy, quality, quality front rower. Uh, and that's, you know, the winning the set piece is going to be a crucial one. I was impressed, to, I agree, with Reese Patchell last week. Good opening encounter, uh, a lovely right to left pass to send a teammate into score. And I think he looks more comfortable than Freddie Burns did last year. So, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating game. I, I have the Blues probably winning by a couple of tries, but I can imagine that it would be quite an open game. Six o'clock start. Hopefully the weather's good. What do you think, Nick? I have to agree, and not. I, I don't think it's going to be by a couple of tries. I think the Highlanders uh, will 
they look to have progressed in terms of their cohesion. I, off the back of your point with um, on Reese Patchell, I also really like Tanielu Talia, um, who played in the centres quite well. And I mean, they do have a lot of good quality. I mean, Billy Harmon's a very good quality player, but I was I just think that this Blues side, um, when you've got uh, Dalton Papaili, who's returned to the captaincy role with Tuipulotu uh, injured, um, and Hoskins Satutu, who played brilliantly last weekend uh, in, in their deconstruction of the Drua, I see I see the Blues sneaking home probably by more than seven, um, I th- but I do think it'll be a closer game that we'll give, it credit for, we'll give uh, the Highlanders credit for, but Blues for me too. All right, second match, and it should be, uh, it's a very important one for both the Rebels and the Force, so lost their opening encounters. The Rebels struggling in the attacking zone of the Brumbies last week and the Force really struggled right across the park, particularly up front, down in numbers in the tight five. They're bolstered by the return of Jeremy Williams, their skipper, who's managed to get through some concussion symptoms, but they're still without Isaac Rodder. They've lost Marley Pierce up front. And you compare that to the Rebels, who have just brought in Taniola Tupo off the back of making his debut for the franchise last week. He comes in for Sam Talakai. Where do you see this one going, uh, Nick? Well, I mean, first and foremost, both these sides, uh, they owe us an entertaining clash. I think they would be the first to agree that both their performances last week uh, coming out the gates was far from uh, from ideal. Um, and, you know, there is an opportunity here for both teams. Um, really, particularly at set piece is where this game is going to be won and lost, I think. Especially the lineouts for both sides was very poor last week. I think the Western Force, uh, they lost a lot of ball. They only won 66.7% of their lineouts last week. Um, Rebels were not much better with 72%. You cannot win games with a lineout uh, winning and success rate that low. A lot of interesting moves. The the big ones for me, the big inclusions are the Taniela Tupo and Alex Murphy coming into the front pack for the Rebels and especially Matt Proctor in the centres. Now that is a really key. Uh, those three inclusions I think are very key and I think are going to be the key difference here because uh, really the Rebel that Rebel side was... Not only last week was just it just they were just misfiring. They were making errors, very basic errors, and to have some more disciplined heads on the field is a great start. But also in terms of the sheer firepower that those players give, I think right now you probably would agree with me. But the the the, rep, the, the force last week felt like they were starting like they had ended the previous season. Just run, they were really losing that physicality battle, um, and particularly in the forward pack. Uh, and the scrum, they were just getting absolutely monstered. Um, and, you know, we've talked a lot about Marley Pierce. We think he's a very good talent and a very good prospect, and he got he got shown up. Um, and I'm quite worried about how, even though Jeremy Williams's return is is a, is a big promise, when you are when you have the amount of losses that the Force have maintained in both the front row and in the in the second row in the engine room, it's going to be hard to win games. Yeah, so Ryan Coxon comes in at, at uh, loose end prop for Marley Pierce, who's out for four weeks. Interesting kind of story there, who a former chief, he's joined the Crusaders. Uh, he played against, I think, Munster not that long ago, but not necessarily in that top 30, 35 players for Rob Penny's side. So he's managed to be picked up on a on a bit of a joker kind of short-term contract. And I imagine that Coxon will be playing a fair bit given the injuries to, to Wagner as well as Harry Hooper. I can't see the force 
challenging the Rebels. Without a set piece, you just don't win the games of rugby, particularly big ones against Taniela Tupo, as you mentioned, Alex Murphy. Hopefully that combination from a Rebels perspective, we know that they've spent years together at the Queensland Reds, so whether or not they can bring that together, uh, we'll see. But I've got the Rebels winning by two to three tries in, in, in this one. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I, I'm gonna, I will agree with you on this one and say that I think the Rebels will go home uh, with the chocolates here. There is one thing that I'm worried about with the Rebels, um, and it is fair to say again they were very off the pace. But my, one of my worries is that you know where there's smoke, where there's fire, and I just hope that that mental impact of all the other external forces won't come back to bite them. Uh, and we're hoping that, that round one was just a just a one off that they will be returning a lot more focused. But if it isn't, then I can see the force offering a lot of challenges and taking advantage of that clear lack of focus that might be facing that side. But on paper, I'd say the Rebels win this one. Yeah, we know the off-field distractions and, and Carter Corden's probably a really big one there. If, if he fires, I'm sure the Rebels will. Saturday, this day two of Super Rambo, one of Pacifica, Fiji, Drua, like the two newest franchises, taking uh, on 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 each other and I think it's ideal that you've got these sides playing each other in Melbourne really strong Pacifica population uh, I think it's a good matchup what what's what's some of the key changes in yeah I'm really excited by this match uh, I think even though probably right now we'd argue that definitely minor Pacifica might not be at that level to you know be be up there in in finals contention come the end of the year they were very impressive and looked like they had turned a corner considerably uh, in that uh, first round match against the Highlanders. And I think it's a real credit to the likes of, uh, of the new, of the coach Tano Umanga, who is really seems to have progressed a lot since becoming, uh, you know, since uh, being an assistant at the blues um, for the last few years, uh, very excited by the look of the squad. I think Julian Sabir pl- uh, played a very strong game last week and he'll be one to watch uh, this, this weekend. Uh, Inari was also very strong. Tom Savage, uh, I'll be also recommending that people keep a watch on uh, coming into the side, a very experienced player. But looking at this Drua side, uh, I'm really, really excited to see what's happening in, in the engine room. Uh, they've brought in uh, Iso and Nasalasia. Uh, who is coming into into the starting role, who is the kind of the key main change. Uh, very interesting to observe that because the Drewers uh, line out and set piece, you know, it did do okay, but I wouldn't say that it was on fire when they were taking on just a very strong Blues outfit. And then also coming up with the likes of Levi Natabe and, uh, and Doge, that will, uh, who were very, very strong, experienced heads in the front row. I think this game is really it comes down to a place of who can set the best foundation uh, in the set piece. And if that, if the, I think the Drua have the potential to do that. And if they do, they've got the backs to gas them in the back half of this match. Yeah. Good point. Tanner among has provided that kind of manner, I suppose that would be very effective with Moana Pacifica. I, I think the, the absence of Jay, James Lade could be telling. He was really impressive last week in the skipper, but Look, I, I can see Fiji responding. I think the combinations, they will probably come shine through. We know that the Blues are formidable lineup, but it could be a quite an exciting close cap game, this one. I'm thinking Fiji, but only by a handful of points. Yeah, I think the Moana Pacifica will offer a lot of fight, and I think that's that's great to see. It's good to see uh, that, that, that Moana side actually you know, delivering and on, on the promise that that, that squad has. 
the Drua, if they are to be genuine contenders, though, they need to start winning games like this. They need to start really putting away sides like this. So I expect the Drua to win this game. Well, let's not forget, Nick, that uh, in your early season previews, you had them finishing in the top four, I think. So you better hope that they start winning. Uh, we'll move on. Crusaders and the Tars. Look, generally speaking, the Crusaders, if they're hosting this game, uh, they, they generally probably put the Tars away quite comfortably. Whether or not the neutral ground comes into consideration, we'll find out soon enough. But the Crusaders, the Tars both made a couple of changes. Uh, run me through them. Well, yeah, it's there's been quite a few changes. Um, the biggest ones that I've really noticed out, coming out of the Crusaders side is the inclusion of a certain Fletcher Newell who, uh, in the front row, that's the key standout for me. He's an extremely strong uh, front forward pack, all black, really dangerous player. Um, Cullen Grace and also Chai uh, Fiaki also come in as well into the squad, which really kind of sees a lot of those, uh, you know, really exciting up-and-coming talent coming through uh, for the Crusaders. Just guys to show how much really good depth they've got coming through the ranks. Interesting fact here, the Tars actually have, in the last couple of years, got a pretty decent record on either neutral or home ground against the Crusaders. They won uh, in 2022 in that very famous clash at Leichhardt Oval and, of course, 2019 at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Of course, when you when you reverse it and go to Christchurch, the, the results are a lot less flattering. Um, so, you know, considering the Tars actually have a strangely okay record in the last couple of years against the Crusaders, you could claim that there may be an upset on the cards, either here or in a few weeks' time when they play in Sydney. But when you lose Fichetti, when you lose Parisi, and with the injury cloud that I still believe is hanging over Mark Noangui Tuase, I do not see uh, this Waratah side um, being able to knock off this Crusaders side. I, I, I really don't, and it's a, it's a shame to say that. Uh, yeah, of course, the task is an almighty one for the, for the Tars. Uh, you're right. Fletcher Newell coming in for Tamati Williams. It's a it's a it's a pretty handy inclusion when you can replace one All Black with another. And you compare that to Australian rugby and especially probably the Waratahs or the or the Western Force. And 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 perhaps that's not their strength. It certainly isn't their strength up front in the forward pack in the props. So yeah, that's a really important inclusion. David Havili you know, the inside centre. And that's a really calming yes. influence alongside the new Ten Daha Kamara. So we'll get a bit of a idea around him uh, coming in the new 10 there so uh, I think the Crusaders will be too strong I, I just see the second half in the bench you know when you've got the likes of Ryan Crotty and uh, McLeod Leo Willey coming in uh, of course I want uh, sorry Joe Moody and, and Owen Franks like that's a that's a formidable looking interchange bench and you compare that to the Tars and they've got either inexperience or some guys emerging through there like Miles Hamatasiros who is really just adjusting to the to the pace of Super Rugby, Tristan Riley, Mazesi Tuopolotto, Teddy Wilson, young guys with bright futures perhaps though up against the Crusaders, it's a big, big task ahead of them. Like, and see the Crusaders winning by two to three tries once again and, and that last 20 minutes just breaking away. Yeah, I'd go more. I'd say at least by 20 points, probably at least three tries. Just not for lack of effort. It's it's just the cold hard reality of coming up against a side that has that much talent and that much experience. When you have the likes of that bench, that is a formidable bench. 
as talented as the Waratah side is, I just cannot see them competing. It's uh, sorry, sorry, Tiles fans. <laughs> yeah, it could be in for a long, long match. And just spoken to Rob Penny actually, and he said he felt sorry for Darren Coleman, the, the predicament he's in at the moment, where effectively told. Uh, and it's been very much publicised that by the end of March, the Waratahs will be making a decision on the future of, of Coleman and whether or not he'll get an extension beyond this year. Moving into Sunday, final day, two blockbusters, I think, and it's probably the most competitive, exciting day of the three-day uh, super round. And it starts with the Chiefs and the, and the Brumbies at 2 o'clock, a repeat to last year's semi final where the Chiefs were just too good for the Brumbies, kind of finished over the top of them. And we saw the class of Damien McKenzie. He is an important inclusion. What do you say about these two sides? Uh, are there any other changes? Well, the first is the Brumbies have only have got a very settled side. Um, first of all, this is I think this is match of the round right here. This is the game that if, if, if you are down in Melbourne, and, and you can only make it to one uh, one day, make it Sunday. Because I think these two clashes are not only just going to be fantastic, but also a good measuring stick for two of what looks like the most promising Australian sides in the competition this year. Brumbies have only made one change, which is in the in the pack. Uh, Reese Van Neck uh, has, uh, has withdrawn. He'll be out of the squad. So Cal Tai, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, will be moving into the pack. Um, also, Harrison Goddard uh, will also be coming onto the bench. Very strong Brumby squad, very settled Brumby squad. Um, and honestly, I would have would have been picking them. It's been back and forth for me about who, which way I was going to go this week uh, because of the competitiveness. I think the Brumbies can really match the Chiefs up front uh, in, in the set piece. But you have DMAC. And DMAC uh, being included really changes this, um, the equation of this match because he was under an injury cloud with that rib issue. There is also, I think, Quinn, uh, Quinn Tobias is also out after a concussion sta- uh, sustained as well. So he will be replaced uh, by Pohipi as well in, in the uh, in the, um, in the back line too. I think with DMAC uh, directing things around, it tips the scales just very slightly in favour of the of the runners-up at the moment for me. What do you think? I, do, I sense you might disagree. Well, I've, I've selected the Brumbies and it, I agree it could go either way. It's very, very difficult to call this one. I think just what tipped the scales in my favour is the Brumbies, perhaps their type five. I like the settled nature of it. There's four Wallabies in there from Slipper to Lockie Lonig and Frost and Hooper in, in the second row. It's good balanced back row. They were there last week. They understand what it's like to be at Amy Park. The, the halves have been playing alongside each other for a number of years, and we know the pace and the different threats that the Brumbies offer out wide. You look through and you study through the benches, and there's probably one clear difference between the two, and one of them is Sammy Stoney Tokiahu, and he's yeah. the guy that perhaps tip the scales uh, back to the Chiefs. So I think the Brumbies have to be out in front. I think they need the lead. Uh, they did that against the Blues last year, uh, and then they kind of hung on for that last 20 minutes, even though things weren't always going their way. It'll be a cracking matchup. I've gone the Brumbies. I was six from six, by the way, last week. So uh, <laughs> I'd be tipping, I'd be going my way at the moment. But I just also think that the Chiefs, we know that they were too good for the Crusaders, obviously, last week. Uh, but I just don't think they have quite the firepower in the forward pack, having lost Sam Kane, Peter Gus, Sola Kula, uh, 
uh, even Brad Weber at halfback, Brody Retallick, of course. You lose three guys who are genuine starters, often all blacks. It's a really difficult thing to be able to make that progression week on week, travelling, all the different factors that are associated with playing a competition like Super Rugby. So it'll be a cracker. Strap yourself in. Final match, Hurricanes-Reds. It was a game that I was kind of umming and ahhing about which way I'd go, uh, but it, it should be a, a really interesting battle. Uh, the Reds, this time last year, they come up against the Hurricanes in, in Townsville and they got really dusted and put away in the second half, but quite a few things have changed since then. There's no Artie Sevilla and the likes of Tom Liner are, are you know, a, a full season further along the road in their experience and their journey in Super Rugby as a professional player. Yeah, absolutely. It's this is going to be a, a fantastic clash. Very glad to know um, this game will be won and lost in the physical battle, uh, in in my opinion. And thank God that uh, Les Kiss is naming an unchanged front pack because that front pack has work to do. They have a lot of work to do. The key reason why the Hurricanes performed so well is because they just beat the living daylights out of the force all of uh, that match last week. And, I mean, Omua, we've talked about him, such a dangerous weapon, so strong, an absolute sledgehammer. So it's very good to see that, that Kiss will will have, you know, pretty much a, a, yeah, an unchanged side. Hodgman played very, very well, as did Fesler, um, with, you know, with Liam Wright and Fraser McWright, Harry Wilson, a, a very strong physical hungry pack that is looking to go to work. The only change is, is the inclusion of Jock Campbell um, in the starting lineup, which we'll see, I believe it is, Mac really drops back to the bench. And, you know, he's, I think uh, Clark Laidlaw has made has made a couple of changes. Um, I think uh, Carithian Flanders have also been ruled out um, due to, to injury, but he's bringing several All Blacks back into the fold. That's not a bad, uh, not a bad issue. And of course, the first one is Cam Roygaard. Um, and, uh, uh, Oasi, who also returns into the team at number eight. This is a very dangerous side. And as well, of course, you can't uh, rule out the likes of Tyrell Lomax also returning to the front row. The Hurricanes have recognised, I think, that there is a very dangerous attacking weapons that Les Kiss has, has at his disposal, and they have beefed up. Yeah, I, 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 you're right to point out um, Asafa Umua at, at uh, Hooker, who's just at Super Rugby so powerful is a bit like Top Yahoo with the influence that he can have on a game. But Xavier Namua is another one up front who's a big boy. And you think about that that Hurricanes front row, it's, it's a strong one. And I think the Reds are going to get a, a much sterner test in that department. Uh, one thing that I think is interesting is, yeah, the loss of Flanders, Duplessis, Karifi means that a couple of their better back rowers, uh, the timing is going to be another issue off the back of losing those sorts of guys and just even the on-ball presence. But the battle of the midfield is going to be a cracker. Jordy Barrett, Proctor up against Hunter Paisami, Josh Fluke. That's going to be really telling in the overall picture. Uh, and, yeah, you're right, Cam Guard, quality player, pace. He's going to be a threat, knows how to find a try line, uh, as did his uh, his replacement last week. So, yep, it'll be a good game. I've I've gone the Hurricanes, uh, and I just think that the Hurricanes, just because of the, the 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 dominance that I think that they'll have up front come scrum time, could be uh, 
uh, an issue for the Reds. And, and we know that if they get front football, that back line's going to always cause you problems. So they've got to measure up front to be a chance here, the Reds. Yeah, it's 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 physical battle. Physicality uh, is the is the challenge here for the Reds. I'm going the Reds though. I'm going Queensland. I think I don't know what it is. Whether it is just a feeling of there was just a sense of feeling and confidence and trust and self assurance that just I hadn't seen in a Super Rugby side in a while. Uh, in the uh, in their performance, and they've progressed and progressed and progressed over the, um, since trials and since building up over that that period of time. Of course, you know if there's one thing we know about Super Rugby is that pride comes before a fall, uh, and it seems to be just when an Australian side seems to be getting in mom- into into momentum, they seem to be that seem to be smacked down. But what I do know is that this Reds attack is humming, and they are going to score a lot of points, and they're going to score a lot of tries. And really, the question is, can the Hurricanes match that? I think the Reds are up for the physical contest and I think they're up on the attacking front and I think they can hold their own in the scrum. I'm going Reds in a thriller. It's a heck of a lot of optimism there from unique and uh, I think from an Australian perspective, that would be great if that's the case. We'll see. We'll find out much, much more over the next three days, but be sure to check it all out on Stan. And I'll be back on Monday with... Matt Tamura and we'll have another guest and look forward to recapping all the events of Super Rounds. Will it be the last one in Melbourne? We'll find out. Until then, enjoy all the rugby. Cheers.